We've blocked half a million people around the world. Really? Yeah. Oh my Probably God. more now. Penny Appeal. Oh God. So Penny Appeal is a charity. Uh, Sorry, can you put that in inverted commas? <laughs> So I think I think it's fair to say I have beef with. If, if you say you're a Muslim, you identify as a Muslim, and you want to marry a Muslim, right? However religious you are, I want you to feel comfortable on us. It's unfortunately a corporate game plan, um, and you know I'm amazed that they're multi-billion-dollar company, and we're literally a tiny startup, and they've wasted so much time of theirs and ours and money, you know, which is small change for them, but it's meaningful for us in trying to litigate. You know, it's sad, but there you go. Assalamu alaikum. With me, I have none other than Shazad, aka Shaz Yunus, the CEO of Muz, yes. previously known as Muzmatch. Uh, you can say that, I can't. <laughs> well, well, I said it, I said it. And uh, Shaz, you've grown this thing over the last few years to 10 million members. I mean, that's like, that is a big number. I can barely even think about it. 500,000 marriages, God knows how many kids. Allah knows. <laughs> yeah, it's a big number. I know, and and a hundred plus people in the team. Like this, yeah, like, yeah. this is it's absolutely banging this office. It's grown a lot. The the more we've grown, the grayer my beard has gotten. So uh, yeah, that's the that's the price you pay for all of this. And Alhamdulillah, you know what? From it sounds cheesy, but from very humble beginnings, we've grown to something quite big now. I still remember, literally starting all of this from the bedroom of my house figuring out, all right, how do, you, how do you build apps and actually building the first version, getting that out on iOS or for Apple, for Android as well. Um, uh, doing all the horrible things you have to do to grow a business from zero. And we grew from zero. We had no fake profiles. We didn't do all that stuff. I was like, let's do this legit from the start. So it was literally signing up one person at a time. I'd go out to mosques, hand cards out, tell people all about it. Um, I'd go anywhere where there were a load of Muslims and try and um, spread the word. And then Alhamdulillah, Bit by bit, very slowly, people started using the app, and you know, now it's, you know, we've carried on growing. You know, and that was—it sounds weird. You said a few years. It's been nine years full time. Wow. I've been on this, so it's quite a long time. A big chunk of my life has uh, has gone on on this. And Shaz, I want to talk a lot about you know your expansion because I want to learn about it. Mm. Um, but I want to start with me doing my fake impression of Jeremy Paxman. <laughs> uh, so I had a taxi driver that okay. we, we drove over, and the taxi driver said, "Oh, what do you think about Muz?" Um, and the taxi driver said, oh, you know what, I don't know about, like, I don't know what the scholars would think about it. It's a bit like, it's a bit like Tinder, mm. you know, and I would refer people to, I don't know, somewhere like pure matrimony or something. What do you have to say? Uh, I always, I've, I've, I've heard it before. I think there's a few, I always find the Tinder comparison very lazy of people. Uh, well, look, what's the heart of the, of the app, of the platform? It's to bring two people together. That's literally the heart of it. Our goal is bringing them together in a halal manner for halal means, right? So we're very upfront, unashamedly, we want to get you married, right? And it couldn't be more obvious about the app that you're here to, to try and get married to. You know, we even have multiple places in the app where it says keep things halal. We ask you outright when you're looking to get married. It's a direct question um, on there. And that's shown on your profile. So people get a good idea. Um, where, I won't say necessarily where things fall apart, but you know, Honda, you know, mentioned, you mentioned, look, half a million people, Honda, have actually found their partner on the app and got married around the world, right? Including one of our team members. There you go. Trust me. Yeah, exactly. One of you, I, I know exactly who. Uh, loads of people, you know, have family members, people in the team, etc. right? It works, whether you like it or not, it works. Now, is it perfect? No. Um, do, I always say sometimes when people give me that feedback, and people stop me in the street, men, women, you know, with feedback, and I'll take it all day long. And I, Ne you know, nearly all the time when I get to it, I'm like, all right, is it the app or is it the people? And nine times out of 10, it's not the app. It's, it's a person, a scenario, a situation. I've had people, men and women, who tell me, oh my God, amazing, I met really amazing people, really high quality people who are serious, blah, blah, blah. I equally have people who said, I only met losers on the app and, and um, I didn't meet anyone serious. So there's such a difference in experiences. Our goal is obviously that more and more, pe more people find serious people, find the one, etc. There will always, no matter what the platform is, whether it's pure matrimony or anything, even if you did the whole mosque route as well, there'll always be people who, whose intentions aren't so pure, aren't so good, and who are looking for something else and hiding it. That happens in, in every society. And one thing I've realized um, by doing this in this business is any business which brings people together and has the messiness of human relationships is, is messy, whether you like it or not, because people, humans, interactions, it's very imperfect. And that's what you're dealing with. I was very naive to it when I started, and my eyes have kind of been open to that, of just the sheer 
number of scenarios that can happen when uh, men and women get together for the sake of something like this. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't pretend we're perfect, but I actually think within the platform, we've built so many things to try and make sure that you know, uh, casual people, people looking for hookups, people who are there to mess about, we get rid of them. You know, to give an example, we've built out a 28 strong all-female support team who all day long are policing and monitoring the site. And they get rid of, we've blocked half a million people around the world. Really? Yeah, oh probably God. more now. Because we're ruthless in blocking accounts. If you go on our app stores, Google and Apple, and read the reviews. And would take you that, take yeah. that list. Oh and, yeah, and yeah, for sure, <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. But like, if you go on our app stores, um, you'll see so many review, negative reviews we get from people who've been blocked on the platform. Mm. And I, I'm like, I don't care, I don't care if you're paying us, if you've been with us for ages, if you're inappropriate, we've got clear evidence, get rid of you, you know, because that's not what we're about. We live and die by reputation. So, like I said, our mission is transforming how Muslims meet and marry. And I actually think of any, of any platform out there, we've had the biggest impact, full stop. Yeah, you know? and, so, and, yeah. and you know what, Shaz? So, uh, someone asked me this as well. I was interested to hear your response. And, and my response to him was that, you know, there are many Muslims out there. Mm. There are very practicing Muslims, people with niqabs. Yep. And there are people who are barely Muslims, right? Let's be honest. Mm. And everyone needs to get married. Yep. And so what are you saying? Like, if you're not going to go to pure matrimony, go to Tinder yep. or go to wherever. No, that's key. I, one of my principles when I started this business was, um, like pure matrimony, not, not, oh, just not like, to pick yeah, on no, one, but let's yeah, say a yeah. very religious platform. Or like a mosque. Like, yeah, 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 right. So you, you have Ireland. products for everyone, right? Products for the very, very religious crowd. I don't want to say hardcore, the very religious crowd. Great, good for them. There'll be people who are like, ooh, that's not, like, I, I've got friends who I would say are more practicing than me and quite practicing, and they found some of those platforms a bit too intense, right? Where like, yeah, it, was yeah. a bit, it was a bit much for me. So there's that. My premise when I started Muz was, I wanted to appeal to anyone. If, if you say you're a Muslim, you identify as a Muslim, and you want to marry a Muslim, right? However religious you are, I want you to feel comfortable on Muz, right? So whether you wear the niqab or you don't, you wear a skirt maybe, or I don't know, you're a guy who drinks. I want you to feel fairly comfortable on our platform, right? I want you to feel that actually, I can find a partner who aligns with my values, whether I'm that religious or not. On Muz. Yeah. I think for me, a real disservice would be to push any Muslim away, however, call it weak their it, to push them away from marrying another Muslim. I think that's way worse. So you deal with what's in front of you, you make it, and I, I think that's what we've nailed that really well. If you look on Muz, you'll see niqabis and you'll see people who say, I drink. And I'm like, I, I don't knock people for it. I'd much rather uh, we didn't put such people off because I think that's a, a way. It's a way worse position, you yeah. know. Our, our faith is about inviting and bringing people together. Hopefully, inshallah, for the sake of good. That's what it's about, yeah. you know. Not judging and not being harsh on people. Because so family, like you're trying to create a family, and that's the bedrock of society, right? Literally. And, and if, yeah, what's, what else are you going to do yeah, if you yeah. don't do that? And don't be wrong. There will be people who say, who will say, perhaps I drink. I'm not that. I'm not that practicing, and I would probably want someone who is who's, you know, within reason, just as on the same practicing level not as me, as, yeah, right? Yeah, as not yeah. practicing. So be it, that's fine, good for them, right? Yeah. I, I hope they can find someone on our platform in a halal manner versus going on another, let's say, non-Muslim platform where you would argue and, and probably be inclined to say there's way higher proportion of fitna that will go on there, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, for, for me, I'm always, A, I'm always optimistic, and B, I always want us to be a place that, that welcomes well and pushes people away. That's just a principle of mine. And I think Muz actually follows that pretty well. Uh, moving on to, <laughs> from one uh, uh, not so light subject to litigation. <laughs> Love a bit of litigation. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. You, honestly, you are such a fighter. You, uh, uh, you have to be. I, I, um, I just think, you know what, whenever you do any startup, uh, and it's true, the bigger you get, the more grief you get from whoever. Yeah. Um, and, and equally, I think it helps uh, if you have faith in you. There's, there's certain principles where you're like, this is worth fighting for, and this isn't worth fighting. Not all battles are worth fighting for, and yeah. you know, I do think you have to be smart about it, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, lit litigation happens. <laughs> so uh, let me kind of give you what I have like, roughly got yep. from the story. So uh, there's match group, I think there's this big behemoth, right? Yeah, Ooh, so they own uh, Tinder, Hinge, 50 other dating apps. They all, they're, they're, right. they're, they're literally the global leader The in monopoly space. kind yeah. of um, player. And they uh, made, I think, a few approaches to buy you guys out. Yeah. And you said no to them at various points. So like any good jilted lover, <laughs> they then decided to, I think, effectively sue you, right? For some kind of mm. infringement around, around the brand. 
uh, and I think it was around the word match in particular that was an issue. Um, and I'm sure you're now a legal expert on all things oh, yeah. to do with... <laughs> I'm sick of uh, IP and trademark law, but yeah, effectively that. And then, uh, but like I said, they didn't necessarily stop there. They then filed, so that was here in the UK and Europe. Then they filed another lawsuit in the States around aspects of the app and the way the app works. Um, you know, we had the whole legal battle with that. Um, we actually took it to, to the Court of Appeal as well. Unfortunately, we lost, which till the day I'm dead, I'll never understand, but there you go. Um, which was effectively that in the judge's eyes, the word match, which is an English word, um, when people said match, they did mean effectively match.com in his eyes, um, uh, and not the English use of the word match, which is to match make, to bring people together, which is effectively what the heart of our old brand name was. So there's that side of things. Um, the other lawsuits, I think, around, call it the way our app looked and functioned, etc. And, you know, there was a more recent one in the States that they then brought, uh, which was around the mechanics of how you match, literally the mechanics of how two people match on a platform when they like each other, etc. Which they had a, a very, I would say, a loose patent for. Um, we actually um, managed to get that case dismissed because we actually explained how we're not infringing it. And this is a bit of a spurious lawsuit. Uh, you know, I think the aim, in my perspective, is clearly to just drain us, to distract us, to waste a load of money um, and just spend our time fighting all this stuff rather than actually trying to compete fairly. Um, you know, all of this has cost us in excess of two million pounds, wow. which, you know, we're a startup, you know, in total as a business in nine years, we've raised a total of nine million. So it's a big chunk of the money that we've raised, um, just fighting and trying to stay alive with all of this. Um, it's stressful, no doubt. It's, it's a, you know, it killed a good at least two years of, you know, of the business in terms of just trying to focus on the business whilst also dealing with all this. I actually think under, you know, the team, uh, and we as a business, I actually think came out stronger for it. Um, uh, and I actually think our product is a lot better as a result. Not necessarily as a result, we just carried on. We just focused on one. There was a few principles I had in mind when all this was going on. Number one, what's their aim? Is to kill us, to slow us down and to, to, make, to distract us. And so I was like, right, as much as possible, I want to protect the company, the team from all of that. I'll deal with all this. And of course it is distracting. Um, but I want to make sure that at the same time, for whatever it is, we make sure we make the most of this. I wouldn't say it's an opportunity, but the situation. So, you know, you'll see, and hence why you heard about it. My, my principle was, I'm gonna be as transparent as possible with the whole court case. Inform people what's going on, all the mechanics of it, how much does it cost, all that kind of stuff. Um, and just share what these capitalistic practices are. Um, and, you know, I was amazed at how much that resonated with a lot of people when they could actually see some of the games that were being played. Remember, Match Group equally, allegedly, um, tried to buy Bumble, which is the other um, very large dating app out there. Um, they said no, and then Match Group allegedly, well, didn't allegedly, that was filed, they sued Bumble for various things, very similar lawsuit that they did to us. So it's unfortunately a corporate game plan. Um, and, you know, I'm amazed that their multi-billion dollar company and we're literally a tiny startup and they've wasted so much time of theirs and ours and money, you know, which is small change for them, but it's meaningful for us in trying to litigate. You know, it's sad, but there you go. And do you, uh, in retrospect, uh, regret anything? Um, no, uh, there's hindsight. You might say, you know what, uh, you didn't win, was it worth it, blah, blah, blah. Um, possibly, but I actually think there's a few things. Um, a, I love the new brand, Muzz. B, um, it, like we, in a good way, and I don't think it was necessarily because of the uh, lawsuit, but we were working on revamping our product. And, you know, I was actually really glad, and props to the team, the day we found out we lost the lawsuit was pretty much the day we launched Muzz 4.0, which was our latest incarnation of the app, which was, I think, the best uh, looking and functional app that we've ever had. Like finally, in whatever it is, by then it was eight years, it was an app that I was proud of, where I'm like, nailed it, guys, we've nailed it. Because up till then, you build a product, you're not happy with this, you're not happy with that, because limitations of your team, of where you're at, of the time you've got. Whereas here, we were at a point where I looked at the app going, finally, I'm actually super happy. So I think there was that, like I said, the name, um, it made us just hungrier. Um, it keeps you on your toes, no doubt. The whole thing was an education, um, for sure, around, uh, call it the legal game around IP, around even having discussions around being acquired, etc. what companies look for. So that whole thing, I don't, I always say everything's a learning. Um, um, maybe certain things we could, have, we could have done differently, possibly, some mechanics of it, but it's really hard to say. I, I'm, I'm someone who always just deal, you deal with what's in front of you, you learn what you can, then you move on. And so I don't spend too much time dwelling, because 
What's the point? <laughs> no, definitely. Um, I want to do um, the last two questions that come from Khizr. Yes. And then I'll move into the stuff that yeah, we're interested the, in okay. on the business side. <laughs> yeah. okay, but for, cool. for the likes of you know the mm. audience who like the masala, yeah, yeah, I've, I've actually, this is a question that's intrigued me and many, I think, LinkedIn people. Yeah. <laughs> What's the thing with you and Asim? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Asim. He's my brother. Uh, no, contrary to popular belief, um, I do actually know the guy. Um, uh, he's not a super close friend, but like um, he was basically, um, I think he was at Morgan Stanley just before, uh, or he left just before I started. So we've got a bunch of kind of common friends and stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, he's got a certain type of personality, let's say that. And I have a different type of personality. Uh, so I sometimes love winding people up. Um, like I said, if he was a stranger, I probably wouldn't do it. But because I half know him. Uh, I, I like to keep him on his toes. Uh, unfortunately, he's blocked me, so we need to start. Oh, oh. We need to start like crowdfunding campaign, something to get him to unblock me. Because <laughs> I miss his posts, honestly. Honestly, I would like read his post and I read your comment. People would literally read my no comment first. You know, is there, there's no comment there. So <laughs> I then, know it's sad. I think uh, yeah. Uh, shout out to Asin Kureshi. Unblock me on LinkedIn. There you go. <laughs> Let's get it going. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Kizu is going to be so happy. Like this is so unlike any of my other podcasts. Yeah, it's not dry, basically. Uh, but um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I'm listening, but I'm skipping forward. I'm like, come on, man. Like, like two x two x speed. Penny appeal. Oh God. So um, we. Uh, so Penny appeal is a charity. Uh, Sorry, can you put that in inverted commas? <laughs> So Penny Appeal is um, is an organisation that you uh, um, I think I think it's fair to say have beef with. I don't have beef. I won't say I have beef with. It's just uh, when certain things are in plain sight, I think it's an onus on people to bring it up, and no one was willing to bring it up, and so I thought, all right, it's, I'm going to have to because I can't I can't sleep knowing there's something so flagrant going on yeah. that people aren't talking about. This, this, I like you are such a, honestly, you are an extraordinary figure because like at the, the same time you're fighting Matt. <laughs> I don't know. I, trust me, I didn't think, what? On, I don't need this. Why do I give myself the stress? It's true. Awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got three keyboards basically and I just, uh, true keyboard warrior. I, I don't know why I do these things and I'm trying to run this business. And you've got a business, yeah, a massive business. I don't know. I, you know, Hamza, I'm someone who's, I'm very lucky. I have a lot of energy. Um, and I get a lot done during my day. Um, I probably should focus more. One of my lessons we'll talk to the business is always focus. But anyway, um, no, no, no. I um, some of this stuff's important. Uh, with Penny Peel, like I say, it's um, I've always had a big, I've always had a real interest in the Muslim charity scene. Let's say, you know, I've donated myself. You know, ever since I started working, basically, and when I moved yeah. to London in 2005. Um, that whole scene was new to me, right? And then I was like, my God, this thing's an industry, right? Uh, the Muslim charity scene. Right? It's massive, so, isn't yeah, it? It's big, the right? biggest thing. It's big. And Alhamdulillah, British Muslims, we donate so much, yeah. right? So like, we're a good example to the Muslim world of charitable giving, amazing. Now, the problem with all of that is we've got probably the more, I, I reckon we've got the most charities per Muslim population, right, in the UK. So probably we're an outlier there. But then obviously it, it brings good and bad characters, right? Because it's easy money. Um, when it comes to penny peel, and by the way, they're, 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 in, it, of my assessment, I, I, I deem them as one of the least satisfactory, I'm choosing my words so damn carefully here, um, uh, least satisfactory. Um, I'm sure there's other, ch other charities which um, also have some questionable practices. Um, for penny peel, like I said, um, it, it actually kind of stemmed because quite a few, and I don't know why, obviously I've been interested in the space and I've talked about these things previously, and then I had quite a few ex-Penny Appeal employees um, reach out to me saying, just telling me about effectively bad things going on um, that they observed when they were there. And I was always like, well, look, you were there, speak up, right? Like, you know, why can't you speak up? And none of them were willing to speak up. Um, their words, intimidation, harassment, all that from the guys at Penny Appeal. I thought, what the hell is this? Like, what's going on here? Um, and I'm like, I, I don't get me wrong, I don't like just, uh, only say beef, but I, I, don't, I don't care for beef, it's not about, for me it's not about personalities, I care about just, this is an institution, what it represents, and you know and I know, unfortunately, a lot of Muslim charities don't have a great rep, right, so we either just accept it and go, Muslim charities don't have a great rep and it is what it is, or we as Muslims start asking questions of our charities to demand standards and quality to be a lot higher, right? Because if we don't, if we're, if we're just blindly just donating, we're feeding this, this machine, if you will, right? So for me, it was like, all right, well, what are you going to do about it, right? And, you know, this is a charity who, like, like I said, on a personal level, I would never donate there. Why? And there's a few other charities, not just them, but they're, like I said, in my, of my assessment, one of the worst. Why? Because I think, 
like I said, what did I do? I spent hours uh, just going through the accounts myself, right? The very study has been done on the internet. I went through myself and looked for it just to verify some of the numbers I was reading. Um, I guess what's good is, from my perspective, I could verify those numbers. And, and like I said, it's literally in plain sight. Here's money that from the charity that goes to companies connected to the founders or trustees. It couldn't be more blatant. And if you add up those numbers, we're talking millions of pounds. Now, for me, huge question mark, right? If you have ex-employees telling you about... Not illegal, but question, question mark. Big question mark, right? And you have to say, you as a, as a, as a, do as a donor, you, are you happy with that? Are you comfortable with that? Is this in line with all the ethical practice from the Charity Commission? No. And clearly, I just saw uh, they, they received, I think, an additional uh, or at least a warning from the Charity Commission, a written warning. Um, you can read it on the Charity Commission website, uh, demanding them to take action around things around conflicts of interest, uh, transparency, etc. All the areas that I touched on in, in my post um, where I went through the accounts, what I saw was millions of pounds going to companies connected with the, with the founder and trustee, all these untoward practices. On top of all that, plenty of examples of, and then what was great is people were coming out saying, oh yeah, I donated to this well campaign and never heard about it. I donated to this orphan campaign, never heard about it, not had no feedback. Um, there was a horrendous uh, thing around the Gambian orphanage, around sexual abuse going on there. Such poor, poor transparency. I remember when it happened, it was ages before we heard about it, only because people on the internet were asking, what the hell, anybody? What's going on here? Demanding, uh, imagine that was your business and something like that happened. I'd be like, oh, I immediately a public statement of, guys, if, let's say if, if we, were look, we were looking into it, this is, this is horrendous, we're going to look into it immediately and we're going to keep you guys posted. No, none of that. Their tactic is, and from what I've observed is, don't say anything, just keep your head down, hope it dies down and no one talks about it. And the problem is, and like I said, for Muslim donors, we donate, we don't ask the questions. And that's what I'm trying to change. Ask the questions of the charities we're donating to, because it's serious money we're talking about. Yeah. If we're people who complain about the quality of Muslim charities, if we're people who are demanding, even if we're demanding, and I, I don't think necessarily it's right, but 0% admin fees and all this stuff, all right, then make sure then of the stuff that is spent is going towards building what you want, right? So, you know, we, as MUDs, every year we, we commit to a charity campaign, every Ramadan. We raise, you know, the last, uh, the last, we actually just did an emergency appeal with medically for Palestinians, right, yeah, for, for so the Palestine conflict, right? Now, a big thing for us is transparency. When, I, when we partner with the charity, it's the first conversation I have. All right, how do I get transparency? Updates, where's the cut, blah, 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 all of that upfront. And I get them to make sure that we're getting regular updates and speak to them about what's going on on the ground and how they're going to deliver the projects. We have a project that we did in Sudan that isn't going so great because of the situation there. I literally, we, we got an update from the charity, the current status. Uh, I think we've recorded a video. You'll see it go out, I think, next week, giving an update, saying basically, that's still, we're stuck, guys. We're stuck on this campaign. This is how we're going to try and move forward on it, right? Transparency. Things aren't perfect and it's tricky, but like, like I said, and this is the key for me, a Muslim charity, every penny of theirs, to use a word, but every bit of money from them, it's not their money. It's your money. You're a donor. They, they owe you every answer. And that's the key. That's what we need to change. It's not a private business. It's not me and my mates running a charity. It's not that. It's, a, it's all, everything that exists about that Muslim charity, like I said, is because of every donation they received which is a trust, yeah. you know, and that for me, if it's blatant and you can see it, like I said, you speak up, you have yeah. to speak up. And for me, imagine I, imagine I looked at accounts and saw what was going on there, and I, and I just said, you know what, not my business, allow it. Mm. For me, I, I'm that kind of person where I'm like, no, I can't sleep at night, I'm sorry. Yeah. So that, that's all really interesting. I have to say, obviously Penny Peel are not here to defend themselves. Bring them. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure. I would love that conversation. Um, I'm, not sure they, I'm not sure they would agree to that. Um, I wonder why. And as far as I can tell, nothing illegal has happened. I think, you know, for people to, you know, make their own mind up, I think you're saying Five Pillars have recently done some kind of I think they analysis, just published or? around the Charity Commission warning that they got. Right, I or see. the statement that Charity Commission got. And, and presumably you can go on the Charity Commission website and find out some information there yeah. as well. But like I said, uh, the, even a few aspects of that. Remember, remember when... when um, my post was getting attention on the internet because I was directing people. Literally, my post is, go and look at the accounts. Yeah. That's literally, effectively, what my post is saying. Here's extracts from the accounts and what I've added up. Please do, I remember ending it with, do your own homework. I'm not saying I'm the, the, uh, the forensic accountant. I've just spent some yeah. time, do your own homework. What was, and this for me, and this screams of, uh, A, when you know something isn't quite right, when they started, and you're an investment banker by background yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm an investment banker by background. What, what really upset me on a personal level, but then didn't surprise me when they started issuing legal written legal threats, cease and desist, to people who were tweeting about it. Mm. They didn't do it to me, 
wonder why. They did it to everybody else, saying, um, delete your tweet where you talked about Penny Peel in this, in this fashion, etc. Right? Now, if you're a charity, imagine that was your business. If you're a charity and you, and you genuinely have nothing to hide, I'd be like, great guys, this is what's been said about us. Right, these are account, these explanations. Um, we hope this puts it to bed. Like I said, it's not their money. It's your money as a donor. So when you see stuff like that, it tells me everything I need to know. When people act like that, trying to shut down conversation, um, not only that, and this really upset me, they put a public statement out on their website, uh, name checking me, and then saying all this stuff about me, saying, oh, I've accused um, uh, uh, members of their staff of like sexual abuse and all this stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Where's all this come from? Never done anything like that. And you know, and I've, I, I, just to add to it, and I don't know what's going on about this, but this is, this, you can see, this really upsets me, right? Um, I had a third party who works at another charity saying, when this was kicking off, saying, you know what, they just want to talk to you. I could see the game plan, it was, oh, we're going to calm this down. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, look, so initially I said, um, fine, uh, the, the, the CEO wants to talk to you. I said, fine, all right, I'll, I'll sit down with them, why not? You can have someone on your side, they'll have someone on their side. I said, fine, no problem. Then I thought about it and I thought, what's the point? I said, look, um, so then I went back to him and said, look, I had a clear set of questions that they needed to answer. I said, answer those in a written fashion. And then I said, I'll meet them and we can discuss the answers. Otherwise, what's the point of just meeting and having a chat? It serves nothing. That's how I went. So, so, and then it was like, yeah, all right, yeah, send those questions over, we'll get them answered. All those emails all got ignored. Probably six emails going, all right, just pure ignored, no response, nothing. Like I said, it tells you everything you need to know. So, Shaz, moving on to... Uh uh, more calmer waters. What? <laughs> <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Go on. Okay. Um, well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, uh, I guess we, uh, you know, you. Why don't we talk a little bit about the business? Because I'm interested in how, you know, how yep. you actually deal with this juggernaut and and you grow it. And then I'd love to talk a little bit about, um, you know, Vazza as well, because mm -hmm. I've seen you very active and admirably so as well on that. Um, but on the business, then, you know, you, you you're a sole founder. Uh, and this is a huge company, and I, I run a much smaller business, mm. and I'm like, thank God I've got Mr. Patel with me <laughs> yeah. on the journey. Yeah. How do you cope? He's off to Dubai, didn't he? I know he has, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's good because he's wake, he wakes up early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you yeah. have- oh, It's yeah. a setup that works. Um, how? Oh man. Uh, you know what, it's a, it's a journey, <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's a journey. Um, you get, you know, even like, as the team have grown, you know, look at this, we're, we're nine years in and we only, only this year did we hire, call it our first product manager in some form, nine years in. Um, we had a whole setup where we didn't have that at all. We, didn't, we, weren't, we weren't functionally organized like that. And then now this, uh, yeah, I know. Nine Come years. again? Yeah, exactly, right? No product managers uh, for nine years. So what, engineers just We just did, did well, it was, it was top down to some degree, for sure. Mm. But I was very into the product. Um, like there was a few of us who knew exactly what we needed to do and we cracked on and did it. By the way, I'm not saying that's the most optimal setup, yeah. right? But it is, that was the journey. And it was, it was this year, uh, start this year, where we're like, right, consciously we want to go from startup to scale up, right? Um, how do we organize ourselves um, to suit those kind of means, right? So for us, it was having very clear metrics of different things that we care about as a business. All right, how do you make sure we focus on those things? Because and then to do that, to, to, you know, so now we're in a squad form, and to do that means you have to grow the team because you need to make sure that everyone is unblocked, right? that they can do their thing. If you're giving them a goal, give them all resources to hit that goal. Otherwise, there'll they'll always be an excuse of why I didn't hit it. Right? So then we organize ourselves in that way. Uh, uh, and what does that mean? It means even for me as a CEO, my role, and it has changed over the years. You know? I went from you know, the first four or five years, I was coding. You know, now I can't remember the last time I coded. It's good, right? Um, I, I, I've always been a very product CEO, but probably I would say within reason, even over the course of this year, I've been somewhat less involved in the product. I'm still involved, top of what we're doing, how does it look and why? Um, but generally, and you know, even more recently, we're trying to figure out, all right, in a good way, how do we, how do we have a bit more distance between Shaz and the product? Because now, if I'm, if I'm setting people, I need you to hit this target. I need to let them hit the target, right? I can't be just on their back every day. And sometimes I have bad days where I am, but then other days, hopefully I'm not. Um, so that's the journey I'm going on. Um, I think the key... They must, they must get so annoyed where they're like, we've got this nice little roadmap. Oh, then, then oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm annoying. Along. I won't deny I'm very annoying um, on various things and random things bug me. I'm sure I'm annoying, but then uh, I'm very passionate. Of course, I care a lot about what we do. Um, uh, there's a lot of experience over the years of, of things that we have done, haven't done, things that work, advice, experience, etc. So I'm always helpful to everyone. Like I've done nearly every role here. And so I try and help 
everyone as much as possible, be it customer support, be it marketing, be it whatever. So I'm involved in every aspect. Um, my role has changed loads. No doubt, was, you know, especially as we've grown to what, 100 people, most of my day is pure hiring. Um, mm. It's spending, yeah, interviews. People are always amazed that the first interview is with the CEO. They're like, what the hell, this doesn't happen at other companies. Whereas I'm like, I think it should, because you know, we're still relatively small. We're 100 people, fine, we're relatively small. I want to make sure that every person a, their place here is justified, and B, they're of the right quality. Because the moment you have a few average people, things go downhill real quick. You know, I look at our team and I'm like, we have solid engineers, smart PMs. We're just strong across the board. You know, good attitude, good work, work ethic, and you'll see actually tons of non-Muslims here, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is amazing. I, I was interviewing someone before, and I was like, and I'm genuinely, and I say this in a, the nicest way possible. I'm so amazed at, uh, for the, especially for our non-Muslim team uh, staff, how much they care about the product. You know, which is a product that effectively they don't use. You know, yeah, or let's say can't yeah. use. You know what I mean? I'm like honestly, I find that amazing for them to have that much care in it. And like I said, on various things, even to check me going, Charles, is that the right thing to do? Which I'm like, I'm like, that's amazing. You know, like reminds me of things. So I always see that as a good thing. Um, so yeah, I think. So we've got we've got a guy um, called Mozart. Mm. I hired him because his name is Mozart. I mean, surely that's uh, that's, a, that's winning. He's a software engineer. <laughs> yeah, can imagine yeah, yeah, yeah. the back end is absolutely singing. <laughs> um, and he's now one of the most foremost experts in my view on Islamic inheritance Love law. it, see? <laughs> so there you go, you know? And that's what I mean, it's like, it's amazing, honestly. Um, like, seeing people like that. And so I do think like, uh, I guess what, within reason, you know, I always say, I don't think we've been, well, we, of course is look, look, alhamdulillah, thank, thank God, um, we've grown on a really nice trajectory. So we've had stressful times, obviously, like legal stuff and all that, but as a business, we've, we've, we've run it kind of really well. We've always been financially disciplined. So, you know, even now with the whole, backdrop we're in right now, you know, Hamza, we're a business that, you know, has money in the bank, can weather a rainy day, um, you know, we're effectively profitable, we don't need to raise more money, so we're, we're, it's kind of things are a bit more on our terms, which is a nice place to be. Definitely. You know? and, and do you think that, were you facing pressure from your, I guess, investors or mm. people, let's say, a year and a half, two years ago, um, versus they're quite happy with you now? Yeah, that was the thing. I, rem I still remember, oh my God, I remember the conversation around, um, Shaz, you, sh you guys should consider um, uh, running a, uh, opening a SPAC. And I was like, don't be stupid. I'm not doing all that crazy stuff. Um, um, uh, I remember being under pressure to raise, raise now. And you possibly, possibly could argue that was a good time to raise, right? Mm -hmm. Conditions were really good, blah, 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 evaluations, etc. cetera. Um, possibly that was a good thing to do. Um, you know, if we did if we did a big chunky ways, um, we probably might not need to do another one, right? Um, now, uh, and then obviously flip side, quite a few of our investors, their portfolios have been absolutely hammered. And they're giving bridge loans to quite a few of their startups, quite a few of their startups are dying. Quite a few of them have said, you know, Shazia Muzz is like the standout performer in our portfolio. You know, you guys are solid, good money in the bank, still growing, not had issues, well done, you know? So, like, Thankfully, Alhamdulillah, like we've run it, and I've always, I'm old school, I'm like, run, run a business in a very disciplined way. Like a business? Literally, like a business. Focus on the unit economics, focus on just make sure financially it makes sense, right? If you're burning tons of money, then you know you better be ready for the next batch of money that you're going to need. And I was, my, my thing's always opposite. I hate being controlled, I want to be independent, um, I hate relying on someone else. And so for us, it was always making sure we raise what we have to, put the money to work, just grow solid so we're not having to raise more money. And how does it work, Shaz? Because I've always wondered about this because it's a completely different business model to what we've got mm. where you, know, you get people to give you money to manage and then they'll usually never get it out again. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas in Muz, you're in and out, right? Yeah, if you're successful. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I, I think you guys monetize by, you know, you can subscription, pay subscription. Yeah. So how, how does it work? Is it like you kind of, you're tracking the rate of, you know, the, the churn and trying to make sure that it's kind yeah, of like, yeah, yeah. you're filling I, the back. I always say in this sector, it's one that people don't realize. I have so many people who want to start an app like this and, I, and my advice is don't, <laughs> honestly don't. There's so many, in inverted commas, better sectors to be in if you're going to do a startup. This is one of the worst, no, toughest, not worst, mm. toughest sectors to, to operate in. Why? The churn question, the valuation question, the need to raise money, the cash flow question. I mean, if you run it well, you can run it as a solid business, but the, um, the churn aspect is brutal. Of course it is. Because you're right, people get married, they leave. That's two people who leave, right? Yeah. Not one, two. Um, two good people Two as well, good people, you, yeah, yeah, yeah who leave, married. right? And, and then, and not only that, it's a very emotional journey, finding a partner, things work out, things don't work out. People are constantly taking a break, coming back, etc. right? So you've got all of that. Same with subscriptions, right? People are on a subscription, then they're not, then they are, then they're not. It's, a, it's not like, like, like you said, your business and, and a SaaS type business, you, 
you get them in using your product and then you've pretty much got them for life. It's a very different model, which makes it, like I said, it makes it a very, very tough um, space to operate, very tough. Um, so, like, like I said, you know, if I was going to do, you know, if I was going to do any other business, uh, would I probably, yeah, because it's hard, it's hard. And, but now, Shaz, you, you're going to Pakistan, you're going to America, I think mm. you've been doing a few trips out there. You've done, I think, Middle East, possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah, 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 we've, we're everywhere. What's, um, wh what are the different communities like? Are they different or are they similar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd be amazed, right? I think across the world, Muslims are going on this journey of, especially young Muslims, are figuring out how to navigate, call it their old school culture tradition, and I wouldn't say the modern world, but the world of today, right? Um, no doubt, I think there's an inherent need of young people who want to be empowered to find a partner in their own right. And that's the role we're trying to play. I do think the, the taboo is different around being on an app and finding your own partner. For men, for women, it's different in all these countries, uh, for sure. Um, you know, no doubt the key for us is getting a healthy male-female ratio in all the different countries. Um, um, listening to especially female needs, because in a lot of these countries, privacy, modesty, all that is, is way more elevated than it is, for example, for Muslim women here in the UK. So you have to be very cognizant of all of that. In the design of the app, in the way we do various things, you know, to give you an example, we have a security feature around selfie verification where we want to make sure you're not a catfish, you're a real person, you're not a bot, etc. So we get you to, we scan your face to make sure. Now, that alone scared a lot of women off because they didn't understand what this was for, they thought we were taking a photo. So then there's a load of time we've spent now just redesigning that screen and trying to educate people of what are we doing here, you know? So there's so many... Uh, like I said, uh, things to be very, very uh, and, conscious of. And is it like, I guess it's a marketplace dynamic at heart, right? So who comes on first? Is it more women or more men? Uh, generally, more men. And then you need to make sure you have enough women. It's like, but, but that's not the, necessarily the rule. In Indonesia, we have a lot more women than men. In Morocco, right. we've got some, with certain countries are really odd in terms of the, the female-male uh, breakdown, which are outliers. Um, but no doubt, I guess for us, the key is, yeah, within each market, creating a healthy community of active people who are looking in their country, right? Because that's, that's how you grow from zero to, to something big. It's how we grew here in the UK and, and abroad. Question from myself, been interesting for other founders. When do you know you need to go from startup to scale up and mm. lessons on international expansion? Uh, ooh, when do you know? I think when you know is um, when well, you're clearly at product market fit. I think hopefully the unit economics and your financial situation is fairly solid. I think when you're at that stage, that feels like the right stage to force yourself to reinvent. So we literally completely turned the way we worked upside down, you know, um, and we did it in, I think it was March of this year. So and you had to do that? Uh, I wouldn't say we had to, but it kind of just made sense because I was like, all right, we want to grow, but then there are all these things we know we need to focus on. and. We were working, basically, we weren't doing much in parallel as such. Everything was very serial, which is good because you bash through stuff. But then it's like, oh, I need to focus on this in revenue. But then also we're losing customers here on retention. And it's like, right, crap, we'll do this thing first and we'll do that. And then you realize, actually, you know, both of them just needs true attention, you know, and that's it. So for us, it was making sure that, um, like I said, growing the team so they can focus on that goal. Um, hence why your finances need to be solid to support all of that. So we, you know, we, we've, we've, we've probably hired the most people that we have in this last year than we have in our whole lifetime. We were very small for a long time. How know? many have you hired in the last year? I'd say in the last year, probably 30 plus people, maybe 40, something like that, yeah. And we're still hiring now. So we probably hired, yeah, the most in the last year um, than we have in our whole history. So we've, we've been, like I said, I think we've relatively been late to hiring. You know, we've been a very small team for a long time. Um, which is great because it keeps you efficient. Um, we could have sped various things up, but like I said, I, I look at the whole situation and I'm like, no, I'm there. I think it felt like the right thing to do. It worked out. You know? And what, what would your lessons be? Um, you, now, let's say we want to go to, I don't know, the US. Yeah, yeah. How I, should we approach it? Lessons for a global app is um, obviously one bit for us languaging, so pure localization, that's important. Um, be try, just trying to understand the dynamic on the ground. It's different. I, it's so different because, um, or it's so hard to explain, mainly because we're a very marketplace app, right? You need both sides. For you, it's not. Yours is you're providing value, and if only one person uses it, they get the same products as if 10 people used yeah. it, right? Yeah. It's, it's not the same for an app like ours. Um, so it's a bit different in, in how you go about it. For you, definitely, or let's say for a non-marketplace product, um, it sounds basic, but yeah, it's talk to people in the country, find out where the gaps are, how similar or not is it. Um, uh, equally, and it might be, and you don't know, I don't know the answer, it might be that your product actually they, they kind of, let's say, let's say you've, it's a UK only product. The, 
the way you've solved it might actually be the right way for a lot of these other countries that they don't, they don't even know about. And if you can somehow force that in, amazing. Um, usually though, you're having to work around local setups. Um, so I do think being slightly sensitive to that, being a little bit flexible on it, of saying, all right, what changes do I need? What, what's like the smallest MVP changes to help growth in that country? Uh, have an idea of how you're gonna measure it and then literally just have someone focusing on it. Because if you don't focus on, they always say if you can't measure it, you can't control it and equally, because you'll know in a business, there's so many different metrics to look at. Unless you have someone obsessing over something and trying focusing on it, it won't get done. There's, only, there's so much to, to do otherwise. Um, taking a different uh, road here, Shaz, uh, Gaza, Israel, Palestine, mm -hmm. the whole uh, saga that's been going on. Um, you've been quite, I think, vocal about this mm -hmm. relative to other... I guess business people. How do you? And this is a you know personal journey for me as well, right? Where we're trying to figure out you know what what we can and can't say, mm -hmm. how far we should go. Um, how have you approached it? And you know how do you think business people should approach this stuff? Um, first, I always say each their own. I don't give people grief for not speaking. At it. Like everyone's on their own journey, on their own yeah. personal situation of their own comfort level around receiving grief, having that stress, speaking up, etc. Um, you know, the, the hadith around if you don't, if you dislike something, dislike it in your heart. Um, uh, what is it? Or in say, your heart? Or, yeah. you with, your, with your mouth, with your hands. Yeah. Um, uh, that's not the right Those order. Those are three. Yeah, but there's an order. Sorry. Try and stop it with your hand. If you can't do that, then speak out. If yeah, you can't do that, if not, then. it's with your heart. And the lowest form of iman is with your, is with your heart, right? So, um, uh, so I do think like, and everyone's somewhere on there, and that's all good. And the worst is obviously just a a a apathy, right? Mm. I don't care, not my problem. <laughs> that's, that's when you know you've got bigger, you've got issue, bigger yeah. issues, let's say, as a Muslim, right? So, um, uh, but how have I thought about it? Part of me, like, I know whether I like it or not. And trust me, I'm someone, contrary to popular belief, but I'm quite a private guy. I don't like being in the limelight. I really don't. I'm, I'm an extrovert person, but I could do with my privacy. I generally aren't, I'm not a big fan of social media and, and being out there as much just because I'm, I'm a very time poor person, no, no doubt. Um, and it just hasn't massively interested me in that way. Um, the flip side is that whether I like it or not, okay, there's, I have an element of a platform. And for me, it's like, all right, well, if you have a voice and all this stuff's going on, I do feel there's some element of a duty of, I have to speak up about certain things that I see which, which aren't quite right and use my platform for whatever I can. So I remember when the whole uh, God situation started happening, we were like, my God, this is crazy. What can we do? And, you know, Honda, within a week, I actually think we took too long, to be honest. I don't, I don't think we quite appreciated the gravity of the situation until it really started kicking off. Um, it was about a week and a bit, and then we were like, oh my God. And I remember I just sent a Slack message to the team going, I think we need to do an emergency appeal here, guys. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we set ourselves a goal of raising 100 grand in seven days. And Alhamdulillah, and we put, you know, we put 50 grand straight in. We raised 100 grand in two days. And I was like, wow, Alhamdulillah. And that's the power of a platform, globally, right? We just put it out. People would donate, like I remember we put it up, we hadn't even told anyone and so people started donating, we're like what the hell, we haven't even told anyone about the link yet. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and then, you know, now we, we're just shy of 200,000 pounds, pounds, right, raised, it's about what, quarter of a million dollars, something like that. So, alhamdulillah, it's amazing, and it's again, power of a platform. So I'm like, alright, I want to make sure that, you know, for me on a really simple level, when all this is said and done, when I leave this world, I want to have a few things where I'm like, alright, that was my contribution. <laughs> and inshallah, I hope Allah accepts it and that's it, right? And I hope that's it. I hope using my platform somehow for, for something good, you know, counts in my favor on a selfish level, right? On a pure selfish level of, I don't want to be the guy to be like, oh, flipping out, I could have said something, I should have said something, was I a bit weak? Uh, you know, did I? Everyone knows. Everything's a trade off. I won't say something because it might hurt me in this other way. Yeah. And I, I tell you, and, um, and this is definitely the older you get. The older you get, you care less. It sounds weird. I, I couldn't really give a crap about a lot of people or things anymore. Mm. Um, you realize, you know, obviously, whatever, as your faith goes, Allah has control over everything. Everything good that's going to happen, everything bad that's going to happen, everything's going to happen to you as a result of something you've done. It's all written. So all you can do is you do your best. And why worry about everything else? And that's my, that's my take. So I was like, right, cool, I'm going to post about all this. I'm sure at some point in the future, <laughs> I think my very first tweet was, uh, something like, let's see how long this lasts or before I get cancelled or something. Because I know the nature of it. Um, uh, and the way I look at it is, I'm sure something at some point in the future will bite me in the backside and, and I'll, I'll pay for it. It is what it is. Um, uh, like I said, I think um, for me, uh, I've, I've been 
I, I try to be quite careful in, in, in sharing factual stuff because the danger on the internet, and this has happened, where people share stuff which um, uh, hasn't been checked, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a big, it's a big problem on the internet, yeah. right? Disinformation, people sharing stuff wherever without it being verified. So I do try and check myself of going, hold up, slow down, uh, just do some homework on this. And if I'm not fully sure, I won't talk about it. Um, but where I can, I try to. Uh, like I said, each their own, everyone's in their own situation. I think it definitely needs, like one thing I've realized, uh, the order I've gotten is, where is power in this world? Whether you like it or not, it's where the money is. Where's the money? It's where business is. That's where it is, and that's where Muslims need to be. Muslims, we need powerful, strong business people, men and women, uh, uh, who are organized, who use their platform, right? For the right way. That's strength. Until we have that, we don't have much, because welcome to the modern world. Talk about politics, talk about all these other things. Look at the US politics. Who runs US politics? It's not politicians, it's business. Mm. And I can talk all day about how corrupt the US uh, political system is. It is, it's pay to play over there, right? In the UK, not quite as bad, but there's still elements of it which are becoming more and more apparent every day, right? So I do think for us as Muslims, uh, uh, and that's why we say we need strong, um, successful, really successful uh, Muslim business people, right? Because then the key is then they're not just doing it just to get rich themselves and move on. Hopefully they're like, all right, how do I help the next generation, which is what I try and do. But then secondly, how do I help um, uh, use this for something good? Because it does open doors whether they like it or not. Of course it does, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that, that's how I think about it here. No, makes, makes a lot of sense. I feel like in some ways uh, we're lucky in that we both of our businesses mm. have Muslim audiences. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the person that actually pays for your business yeah. is not, does not care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, he's quite happy with what you're saying. Mm. So I think that's liberating. But then at the same time, you know, you've got investors. At the same time, you've got... Um, you know, your payment rails. Yeah, yeah. You know, if that, that, that means it's, yeah, yeah, it's difficult, right? Like we, I posted on Twitter about um, uh, an investor who was very, uh, came via an existing investor, was very interested in us, um, uh, was happy with putting a sizable investment into the company uh, at a great valuation, um, liked the business a lot, was a very straightforward process, so they were the decision makers. It was like... The dream. It was the dream, right? And... And I remember in the, in the meeting, in the conversation, I kind of I touched on the area um, and he kind of answered it and we, moved, like, we kind of moved on in the conversation. And then, um, uh, so we progressed, we signed an NDA, both sides, we were ready to sh share data. Something in me, I remember waking up and I was like, why is something bugging me about this? And literally that's all it was. And I thought, I've got to ask again because I just got asked in black and white. And so then I wrote that email saying, like, just confirm. Uh, has your firm uh, put any money into, into Israel or the IDF um, uh, on a political um, capacity? And you'll see in this thread, they ignored my email twice, I think it was, and then I just said, look, what the hell? Like, we went from all of that to now just ignore my emails. And then you'll see the response where clearly it was an issue, whether they like it or not, and hence why we just ended it there. Mm. Um, and that's not, the, that was the, that's not the first time that's happened with, a, with an investor in that situation. We had a previous one, similar story, very keen on the business, um, they were like very ready to go and then I did a bit of homework and um, realized that the effectively the founder of the investment firm uh, was a big uh, donor towards the whole right to return to Israel all that kind of stuff it was very politically leaning and I thought no I can't do this I can't in, I can't in good faith take money from here and like I said things like that you know, I have full faith. I'll never provide a way. Yeah. You know, and, and it's all good. It's all good. If we're, if, we're, if we're meant to get that money, we'll get it. If we're not, we won't. And, and it is what it is. So I tell you, it's very liberating. Like, it's just as a motto, two things that always kind of get me by. The first is like, uh, what's the worst that can happen? In so many scenarios, what you think is going to happen is never usually that bad, number one. And the second thing is also like, just do you, you do your best and then the rest is up to Allah. So why stress? Yeah. Like, literally, why stress? It's very liberating knowing that. You do your best. You don't get everything right, and it's okay. And the right, and you know, things. I'm always, always surprised at the random avenues and the way things turn out. You know, and I'm always like, you know, Hamza, imagine, remember that thing, and then this happened. It happens so often where I'm just like, wow, you know. So that's how I always think about all these things. What's the future hold for Shaz and also Muz? More grey hairs. Uh, that's guaranteed. Um, uh, for me, no, look, I, I, inshallah, like, through us, well, one of the big things, I don't have no idea when this is going out, but I'll talk about it a little bit now. Um, 
so like I said, we're, our mission was transforming how Muslims meet and marry. You know, I would say we've got the world's biggest Muslim marriage app now, right? We've probably had the biggest impact globally, and we've still got so much, you know, Muslim population is 2 billion Muslims around the world, right? So we've got a lot to do, but we've probably had the biggest impact on actually transforming how Muslims are meeting and marrying. The next part of our journey is, I'm like, all right, well, how do we actually connect the Muslim Ummah together, right? How do we, we've all seen the pain of social media. We've all seen shadow banning. We've all seen the, the issues around posting around Palestine, etc or anything remotely political, all the stuff that goes on, these weird algorithms and dark algorithms and all that stuff. I'm like, right, how do we build something truly for Muslims that we can own? And that's one thing that we're building. So for us, it's building out must to be more than just finding a partner. It's a way to connect with your faith, connect with your community, connect with people in your area, connect with religious figures, find local events, find friends in, in your nearby. All of this into one platform where if you're at the stage where you're like, I'm also looking to find a partner, great, you can turn that bit on, and when you're done, turn that bit off, and use this as a platform. I want this to be a place where we help, you know, like I said, transforming how Muslims meet and marry, focus on the meet bit now. How do we get more Muslims globally to meet? And that's the key. So that's what we're building. We're going to be releasing it, inshallah, over the next couple of weeks and into the new year, and then rolling it out globally in the new year as well. It's a huge project. You know, our guys have been working super hard on it. I, like I always say, I'm under no illusion how hard it is to build something like this. It's... it's 95, 98% um, failure rate. That's how high it is. Wow. It's literally brutal. And so I'm you know, you know, not remotely, um, I'm always an optimist, but I, I'm not fooling myself of how difficult this is going to be to try and, to try and get going. It's, it's Why are you hard. doing it? Why? That's the magic question. Um, uh, I can see a need for it. Whether the time is now, I have, like, we're going to find out, obviously. Um, uh, I, I, like if, I, if I was trying to start this from scratch, I don't think I bother. It's too difficult. If I was trying to start this from zero, I think one benefit through the platform of Muz, we've already got you know X hundred thousand people on the app every single day. Yeah. Now, if I can't get get them to use this new product and find value in it, then there probably isn't a product there. If I can, then I'm like, great, here's something to build on. So that's kind of my approach. And um, so you know, for our team and all the stuff we're building on, I'm like, this feels like a good. Um, uh, I wouldn't even say an experiment, but a good thing we should try and build and try and prove out. And like I said. There's a high probability, it's a waste of time. Equally, it might be that actually this has real value to people and we can build something quite, quite amazing around it. You know? And inshallah, who knows? Like I said, everything's written. You know, if Allah wants Muslims to have a space like this for Muslims, run in a particular way, great. And for us, we've listened to, and I've tried to pay attention to, right, what would Muslim men and women want in a platform? And you know, for example, ours, you're not just posting in the middle of nowhere. We don't want to be like an Instagram where you're just posting photos and stuff. That's not what it's about. It's a lot more, I would say it's a more reddity in terms of being a lot more group focused, right. hopefully a lot more text and discussion focused. Um, equally, things like privacy are important. So uh, you can post anonymously for very sensitive subjects as well. Um, equally, things like women's only groups, so spaces for women. Equally, things like, you know, imagine, imagine you're a Muslim girl and you just move to Manchester and you're like, I don't know anyone here. Uh, or maybe I'm looking for a flatmate in Manchester. Great, I'm all automatically in a group with uh, Muslim women in Manchester. Automatically. Great, I can find people, I can make friends in my area, etc. and get to know people. All this, like I said, it only works when you're big. Yeah, if you're yeah, small, yeah. It, it doesn't really work. And that's the key. Again, marketplace, it has to be big for it to work. And that's a multi-year game. Um, so yeah, that's one of the things that we're focusing on. But even if I take that side, you know, inshallah, I want us to be, like I said, truly, like I said, we're the biggest in the world, but I still say we're small. I want us to be truly huge. I want us, inshallah, to be the world's first Muslim-centric unicorn, where the heart of the product is Muslim-centric. Inshallah. That's one of the goals. Um, um, you know, like I said, I want to leave on a selfish level, I want to leave my imprint on the world that, you know, hopefully I made the world a little bit better. And I think that's a... Hopefully that's my ticket to Jannah, inshallah. Inshallah. Shaz, you're, uh, you're an inspiration. I try. Uh, you, uh, you teach me a lot and you've always been supportive of, of us as well. So really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Um, and it's, uh, it's always great fun hanging out with you. Always, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's good fun. Always good seeing you as well. Jazakallah <laughs> khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.